Welcome to the Earn Your Marks podcast, presented by ProExam Tutors, the only podcast you need to pass the CFP exam and become a certified financial planner professional. Here's your host, Sev Maneshian. Welcome to the Earn Your Marks podcast. I'm Sev Maneshian, certified financial planner practitioner, lead tutor, and the founder of ProExam Tutors. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with a CPA who, like a lot of CPAs, decided it was a good idea to pursue the CFP designation. John Chenoweth is a certified public accountant at an asset management firm where he is the tax director. And John was kind enough to reach out to the show to share with viewers and listeners a bit about his background and why, as a CPA, he decided to pursue the CFP designation. In addition, John's going to go over uh, some of his study routine and what worked for him as he passed the CFP exam on his very first try. So with that, John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate you having me out. Uh, yeah. yeah, like you said, it was just super important for me um, to be able to kind of give back in that way. I'm the kind of person that when I start like pursuing this kind of exam or anything, like going through the CPA, there's four parts of so just doing this, being in this rhythm, um, having picking that back up for the CFP, it was very interesting to kind of go through those motions again. It, it had to dust off uh, that kind of study mindset. But part of that was like, man, I really want to uh, speak to some of my experience, you know, being I w- I'm not fresh out of school. It's been like 10 years. Um, so I wanted to kind of speak into my experience with the CFP, but also just coming from the CPA world now being in public accounting for 10 years as a tax advisor and a director at our firm here. Um, so it was just uh, kind of coming full circle when when I got your message back. So I appreciate you having me on. Gotcha. Yeah. And I definitely appreciate it. Like I mentioned in the intro, like, you know, you reached you reached out to me, which was which was really cool. And uh, then what jumped out at me is that, you know, we I don't know what the stats are. I'm sure the board has it, but there's a fair number of CPAs that will then take the CFP exam. Yeah. And also, I don't have the stats on this in, as well, but I just have a sense that a higher number of CPAs uh, don't wind up passing the exam on the first time. Luckily, you were one of those that, uh, or not <laughs> luck, but with a lot of obviously uh, hard work and dedication, you know, you got through the CFP exam on the first time. But how do you, uh, you you had mentioned your CPA, like, did you... You study in that through school and then right after school, you took your exams and then you took a break. How did it all, I guess, before we get to the point of you actually sitting for the CFP exam, how did that CPA journey uh, begin, I guess? Yeah, so I went to uh, Florida Atlantic University for my master's program. I did a master's in accounting and previously I'd done a a dual bachelor in accounting and finance and was really starting to think that the accounting direction was kind of the way to go. So, um, and that was all during, you know, the, <laughs> the crisis we had around 2008, 2009 in, ah. in the financial world. So there was a lot of drive um, that teachers and uh, counselors were saying like, oh, you know, accounting is great. You're going to always have your job. And, uh, yeah. You know, that everyone was kind of getting scared into the accounting world because um, a lot of the finance uh, jobs were becoming scarce, uh, as you know. So it was a... Uh, it was definitely interesting how I, I kind of ended up doing accounting. It ended up being something I really enjoyed, it, specifically in tax, the tax focus I had, because 
when you're in your master's program, they kind of ask you, okay, tax or audit? And I mean, you have no idea. You, you've not, you don't have any experience. You've done a couple courses. Like, you know, what do you know about the real world? Or, and you're like deciding what you have to do and you're interviewing with all these firms. So I ended up at the firm I was at. And, you know, like most public accounting firms, this is a small local firm um, with very prestigious clients and like high net worth people. So this ended up being a really good fit because I felt like I was able to get best of both worlds here. Yeah, the experience absolutely. with like great professionals and then just like the depth and the knowledge and uh, of, of being able to dive into clients that are very complex. Maybe it has three less zeros than like a national tier, international tier firm, but it was super um, interesting from the start. Like I remember right. as an intern, I, I worked on like a massive, uh, basically a, a pet food company. Um, and they were, the owner was basically selling it to a big private equity firm. And that was one of the first projects I was put on as an intern. So I was just like blown away. But shortly after, like where I was getting to is most public accounting firms will say, okay, your second or third year, you should start thinking about getting the CPA exam. Um, right. At our firm, because we're a smaller firm, it wasn't like a hard and fast rule. But I believe becoming a manager, you know, you needed to have that that designation in place. So, you know, maybe that's three or four years away from your starting point when you first get into public accounting. So I knew coming in, like I needed to do this exam. And oh. it was just, it was tough, but it was something like, just everybody in public accounting has to go. It's like the rite of passage, which, you know, I was starting to see from just earlier talks with you, like CFP is very much the same thing. It's kind of the gold standard and personal financial right. planning. That's just what you have to do. Absolutely correct. So that, yeah, in, in your, you mentioned something which we might get into a little bit later too, but like, you know, with accounting, especially just say generally speaking, <clears throat> the higher net worth, it seems like they are more concerned about the tax consequences of their moves and less so much about, you know, what was my return on my on my diversified portfolio? Yeah. And a lot of business owners, I assuming that you're, you know, working with, they may not even have a diversified portfolio. Their portfolio is their business or their businesses or real estate holdings, whatever, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they they get to a certain income or net worth level. It's like, uh, how can how can I save on how can I pay less in taxes, but still get the same type of growth? So um, but taking that and then moving into a, a, not a CFP role, but having those that designation as well. Now it's like you're you're not just the CPA or a number cruncher, so to speak. Now you can do some more advanced planning for clients that might involve insurance or it might involve some advanced tax planning or investment portfolio management. Who you know? Who knows? Whatever your uh, whatever you end up liking the most. So. Uh, that, so that's good. I mean, like you got, you followed the, the, the standard path with the CPA, obviously that, that worked out well. So mm -hmm. that was right around your end of school time. It sounded like. Yeah, I would say it was probably like a few years into to the job, like is when I started, I want to say it was maybe 2012 or 2013. Okay. I actually sat for, started sitting for the tests and you know, that's a four part exam. You have an 18 month window to kind of close out all the parts before the first one falls off. So okay. thankfully I was able to, to pass all of those on the first try. I used Becker. Um, and I know you work with the CPA on your other end um, mm -hmm. your business there. So I wish I had him, but there was, uh, there was some study <laughs> materials I had that were very good through Becker, but there was also supplemental materials I ended up using from other people. And um, the supplemental stuff, I always just 
I, just from that process, I've always been a fan of it just because it really helped glue together like the big building blocks you were getting from these bigger study programs that were obviously very comprehensive. So yeah, I uh, imagine. Yeah. It's not a few pages that you're going through and learning. Uh, yeah. You're just hearing it from someone else, you know, like, and that was, and honestly, Seb, the reason I reached out to you was because although I wasn't able to like take a course officially with you, I think I missed the sign up because you had a window of time where you sign up for the next exam date. I think I missed that. But when I, I, I just discovered you just after that closed, but um, that was something I was hearing you talk about these different topics, you know, coming back to the CFP and it was like, okay, this is making sense. And also as I was like kind of dipping my toe in the water of like, do I want to do this exam? Do I want to commit like this time? Cause I'm, you know, I'm higher up it, where I was when I was taking my CPA, when I was a CPA, I was, uh, before I was, when I was a CPA candidate, I was really like in year two, year three, I wasn't managing people. I wasn't really managing clients. Maybe I was, you know, uh, a lead contact person on a small client, but I was really just people were handing me work and funneling it down and I was just responsible for me. And it's different when you advance that because now you have people you're leading, you have clients you're managing, you have an administrative component in the firm. So I was like, I really want to commit to this. And when I came across some of your videos, I was like, wow, like there's a ton I would need to learn, but just hearing about some of these from you and just, you had this background, it just really kind of inspired me to go in. And then as I started diving into my study program, it was, it was really helpful to kind of jump back into your videos. I watched everything you posted for free. Ah, cool. so I suggest everyone do that at bare minimum. <laughs> it just helps hearing it from someone else that, and the way you talked about it was just so down to earth and oh, it just kind of like took the edge off a bit. So I just felt like I was able to, to solidify and memorialize topics that, you know, I was just reading on a page, you know, kind of came off the page a bit um, from from the Kaplan study course I was using because I just used like the basic one. I didn't have videos or anything. Um, so that it was just really helpful. You kind of colored colored things in on, on big top. Yeah. And, uh, thank you. And I, I'd say like as a as far as the material, my sense is that, you know, you don't maybe need as robust of material just because your CPA background. I mean, that's a very challenging exam. You've mentioned it's in four, it's in four parts. It's 18 hours total. Uh, so in, in, and then that's a ton of material. And yes, when you're hearing it from a different source when it's spoken in plain English, that helps out because I may have mentioned this on another podcast, but um, for a brief time, I had worked with these, one of the largest insurance producers in the country, and it was really cool to be in on meetings with him where they were talking about, oh, what have you, know, but different types of um, trusts, let's say, or gifting, charitable gifting ideas. So it's like, oh, okay, you know, I know that's I've taught that stuff. You know, might not have a at that time may not have like a firm grasp on it. Let's say from a practical standpoint, but still, it's. it's when you hear somebody say no, you're following along right away. Um, but I have a question about your CPA. And yes. and it's, a, you, you know, you might be different than what a lot of CPAs might think. I just don't know on this. But is the sense from generally from the CPAs, like the CFP exam, oh, I got my CPA, so now I can do the CA, CFP and the CFP exam will be easier because, look, I just went through this 18-hour grueling uh, exam process does any of that carry over to like a cpa that's a cfp candidate 
Like, were there being a step down in, uh, I don't know, in the challenge, I guess? Well, I know. I mean, I would make that just absolutely abundantly clear to anybody that that is willing to listen to me <laughs> talk this long already. I would say this was not something I came into like cocky at all. I, I because of the nature of my job and, and the types of clients I work with, I interact with a lot of other advisors, so I'm estate attorneys, insurance guys, wealth uh, advisors, you know, wealth managers, and I've come across a lot of CFPs, you know, throughout that time. And I, when I started thinking about this was like a viable option to pursue, you know, I definitely reached out to those CFPs. You know, a lot of them are older, older yeah. guys, like older than you, like maybe guys who are maybe on, in the fourth quarter of their career, so to speak, yeah. have a very well-established client, asset management right. firm, whatever, RIA that they started. And, mm -hmm. you know, so they had taken the test a while back, but they had even confirmed before I started like, oh, don't underestimate this one. This is a, uh, you can't just sit down for it. And you know, I quickly learned just even buying the, the study materials, like this is a massive undertaking. Like I think with Kaplan, all six books, not including the seventh case study book, I mean, you're already at or close to a thousand pages of material. Yeah, and I would say a couple hundred pages of book, roughly, yeah, six books. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot. a lot in there. Yeah, so of the bringing that, you know, putting that alongside the CPA, the biggest exam when I was taking it was the FAR exam, the financial um, regulations portion where you have the financial statements and all the financial reporting stuff. It's really kind of an auditor um, thing. Um, so as a tax person, that was just already hard, but that was the biggest and most material. And I think that was maybe 400 pages that book. And this is all anecdotal because that study material I looked at is now way in the past, but that, you know, just even compare. And that was the big test. Like you, you're just drinking from a fire hose. It's wow. tough. So this is like the CFP It's like, I'm responsible for a thousand pages now in a six hour exam. Um, wow. So I definitely came to it very humble. I had no chip on my shoulder. There wasn't anything about like, Oh, I'm going to nail this. Cause I passed my CPA. The only, like the biggest carryover was just, I'm used to going to a pro metric center. I'm used yeah. to studying my butt off for, you know, 12 to however many weeks and really dedicating the time and just engrossing myself in, in, in study material and just making some sacrifices where I'm, I'm not going to have a life for a little bit. Um, yeah. that I was used to like the, uh, the grind, I guess, and the routine of okay. it. And that's what I carried over, I would say. And this was all, this was all on your own. I mean, I, I mentioned you'd passed on the first time. So, you know, congratulations. Although let's say you're, you're you're not let's say official yet, right? You just you just right. passed a few weeks ago. Yeah, uh, got the prelim pass, which was <laughs> in itself like surprising because with the CPA exam you wait like a number of weeks. I don't know how it's changed now, but I you had to wait a number of weeks for the testing window to close, and then you get the score. With the CFP, it's similar, but they'll give you the prelim, you know, result, which was it was just you. I knew it was going to happen, but you just kind of finish the survey and you click a button, and then pops up, and you're like. You just kind of yeah, so surprised. Yeah, that must be a heck of a feeling, though. And I've mentioned this before, like when I took it, and like a lot of people. I mean, it was the ten-hour exam, and you had to wait six weeks to actually get the results. So it's like, yeah, man. There's there's nothing that you can do. I mean, what do you do? What do you want? Well, I don't know if I pass. So do I start going over my note cards, which I think I did, or you know, I mean, you have just. I didn't even feel good leaving the exam, to be honest. So, but I don't, I don't know if many people did at that point. Yeah. Uh, but you're, so you're starting to see 
I mean, you're already using, let's say, things that you learn through your curriculum so far in, in your in your practice, or you've seen it. I mean, you've seen it before, even if you go back to like, like you were saying, when you just first started, um, you were doing nothing, let's say as complex as you're doing now, although it was very complex back then, but you're just seeing how more things fold in. Is that correct? Like you're 100%. A bit, yeah. So, well, I'm just curious then as a CPA too, like where has been uh, your biggest where was your biggest struggle on the exam? Because I've heard, not like I'm leading you to this question, but or to the answer, but I've heard from a lot of CPAs that, you know, to be honest, uh, the tax part was the hardest for me, even though I'm a CPA. I'm not saying that I'm a CPA, but which I'm not, but um, I'm just uh, saying what other students, what I've heard from them with an accounting background, that they actually find the tax portion the most difficult. Did you find that to be the case? Well, because, yeah, so because I came into public accounting in tax, um, that was my higher score on the CPA exam. So it's four-part exam, the tax regulations, and there's like business law, I think, baked into it. Um, that was like one of my higher scores. And I've, I've not been, I'm not one of these straight-A students, like in, in I had a really great professor back in school basically say, like, decide what kind of grade or average you want and then just stick to that and just study as much as you need to get that. Um, and it was after a couple of years of being in college already, so understanding that studying routine. And I just decided, you know, I want to be like an 80 to an 84, like <laughs> just as I, I think George Costanza said in Seinfeld, the meaty part of the bell curve. <laughs> so like uh, that's just that's just how I've always thought of it. That, that funny little experience of that professor and that little, you know, line from Seinfeld, I've just always like, okay, that's, I'm willing to work hard enough to go there because I've just not been a great student. I'm one of these people that's not as smart as other people or as technical, but I, I'm willing to work really hard. So that was, that was huge in approaching the CPA exam, but coming back to already having a tax background, that was one of the easier topics. The other ones, the other three were the bears. And then with the CFP, it was the same thing. You know, estate and tax were one of some of the easier topics for me, just because that's the sandbox I'm playing in, you know, mm -hmm. the past 10 years at this firm. Um, yeah. The hardest topics for me were, for the CFP, were investments, retirement and insurance. And although I was kind of around those things, they're in the water and in the air, I was swimming in and around. Um, it was just hard getting into the details, you know, of those things. Those, I really struggled on those throughout the whole um, 12 weeks I studied for the CFP. That, that was what I had to dedicate a lot of time to. But at the yeah. same time with the tax um, on the CFP, there was like, there was a lot of like calculation questions in the study uh, software. And even when I took the exam, like calculate the AGI, calculate the taxable income. Yeah. And of course you have to know the above the line and below the line deductions. Right. And, you know, all the different exceptions and things like that. But, you know, we have tax softwares now. <laughs> it's like, you yeah, know, all that stuff thing, is kind right. of done. So 10 years into it, you know, you're not, you, no one's pulling out a notepad and writing that stuff down like that. I hope um, not. Done. But conceptually, it was refreshing to go back and have to actually do that. Um, so that's what I would say on the CPA and CFP as far as the tax parts. So yeah, it came easier, but um, that's just because I'd been around it more. But then other areas were, um, were obviously, as you found, to be difficult. 
And um, same thing, I've mentioned this as well. I came from a retirement plan background. And so when I started learning about uh, just the the in-depth part of testing or the regs and things, you know, it's like, we didn't, it's not like we didn't pay attention, but we had different people at the company that would, that would handle plan docs and editing those if they needed to, you know, whatever agreement needed to be agreed to and typing up the docs or reviewing them, whatever. Um, but yeah, the, the, ins- the insurance part can get a little bit dicey, especially around like, you wouldn't think that the homeowners stuff would be that challenging. There's different types of homeowners. Uh, policies to know what they cover, what percentage are covered. Do we have a partial, do we have a total uh, destruction of the property or, or partial damage? You know, those, those little things, the, the investment part, I mean, uh, I won't guess on this one. And I don't know if you remember, but I mean, wh- where on investments did you get tripped up? Oh um, man, it was, it was literally everything. Yeah. Seb, it was everything. It was just being okay. so, like the allocations was hard and figuring out for me, I was just having a hard time because, you know, in this traditional sense of financial planning, there's, because obviously studying for the CFP or exam and the materials and curriculum, I've even heard you say on videos and just from threads I've read and other videos of CFPs I've seen have been in practice, like you could go 10 different ways with the question. You know what I mean? Even though there's one right answer they're looking for. Um, which is coming back to the concept that they're trying to drive. But um, just even thinking that through and just having a little bit of experience even hindered me there because I would just overthink certain things and I'm tying it all the way back to a tax thing. Well, if you do this with the investments, it's going to affect the tax. You just had to kind of get out of that mindset where you're being very practical and just kind of get back to the point of what concepts are they driving and are trying to test that you know right now or don't know. So I had to kind of first do a little unwinding because of the experience. And then once I did that, I really saw that I was struggling with more like the ratios so the trainer sharp, the whole concept of the beta, uh, the correlation coefficient, you know, getting into all the sausage making of that uh, efficient hypothesis, really anything calculation driven um was exceptionally hard for me just to kind of wrap my head around and even getting used to the calculator um i had one of those but it was like in high school when i last used it and uh so yeah just like the time value of money was definitely a big like refresher i did a finance uh a finance major uh, for my bachelor's a dual major with accounting and finance so obviously i've touched on that there but that that was over 10 years ago like yeah exactly i don't remember that if you if you haven't done that, if you haven't done calculations, really, I mean, if you don't do them all the time, it does slip pretty quickly. Although it does come back quickly as well. Um, but for yeah, me, the- it wasn't even coming back though. It was just like I needed to really learn this. Like I think I memorized my way through my bachelor's yeah. and part of my master's degree, and that was the thing about the CPA that was great is it really forced me to learn how to study because I just was not a great student in high school or in college. Uh, I was just kind of average. And it's not that I became the superstar genius. I'm not. I just decided to work really hard. And the CPA made you do that. And the same thing with the CFP. Like it just makes you, it stretches you to the point where you can't memorize everything. You're forced to learn the concepts and you won't do well if you just try to memorize. Although it'd be kind of cool to see, like sometimes you'll see it on uh, 
you know, like 60 minutes or something like that. So they got some nine-year-old kid that can remember. Well, yeah. The crazy guy that can read her. Oh, we get that kid. Like give that kid some CFP books. Let's see how he, how, how he or yeah, she exactly. probably will do fine, you know. Some of those kids are amazing. So, um, well, let's see. If you, you know, if you've got a little bit more time, I, would, I just know that the listeners and the viewers would be really interested, um, you know, just as far as, like, your your study routine and the, and the cadence and, like, you know, did you, that 8 to 12 weeks before the exam is kind of the sweet spot as far as, ramping up for getting in your hour, you know, your final run for your hours and uh, getting your questions. And can you walk us through your final uh, 12 weeks or so? And, and just, you know, how, uh, I, you know, what kind of study plan? Did you have one provided to you? Did you augment it anyway? I'm just curious how that the, the last two to three months looked for you. Yeah, for sure. So I only had really the 12 weeks to study I think the prior two weeks I was completing the accelerated capstone course through um, College of Financial Planning, so Kaplan. Okay. Um, and I, it, this just happened so fast. Like I started clicking around and doing a deep dive. I think the first week of July, I ended up doing signing up. I think at the end of that week, and then you know I ended up finishing the capstone course then or um, that month, and then the beginning of August is I think when I started like studying, studying. So I had twelve weeks, I believe. Right. How it works out till, there was till November third. There was, I mean, there was nothing but be, really bef before that. This is not like you had done a year long course. No. Uh, yeah, you obviously you've got the CPA, so you don't have to go through the entire curriculum. You just have to do the capstone. The capstone took you a couple weeks. Maybe? It took me like two and a half weeks. I was reading on Reddit, like how, just and again Reddit, the CFP board forums, like whatever I could kind of scratch up, scratch mm -hmm. and clock, find my way to where someone was giving their insight. And I was trying to kind of parallel with mine and see, and I just didn't find a lot of like people that were in tax in public accounting currently that decided to pursue this. There are, obviously are a lot, yeah. just people who are writing on threads and things like that. Um, I was trying to match up to, to just get some level of like, is this impossible? Am I out of my mind? Like, is this unrealistic? Should I be taking some of these, you know, CFP courses or like the college for financial planning? Should I be taking some of those prerequisite courses? And the overall feel from what I could get together from other people's reads was just, no, it's possible. You just got to work really hard um, because you can't just go in there to sit down. So anyway, starts the 12 week course after I wrap up the ca uh, capstone course. Okay. And that, that in itself was great. But I had 12 weeks from when I decided when I finished capstone and I went right into studying till the exam. So that also coincides with a, a tax season at my job. Um, because we have a lot of high net worth clients. So a lot of them extend their returns because they're waiting on lower tier entities to pass through tax documents like K-1s and everything like that. So August 15th through October 15th is usually pretty crazy for me from an hour's perspective, you know, anywhere from 60 to 70 to 75 hours of, you know, chargeable time, you know, plus there's an administrative component, um, right. managing staff, client needs, meetings, all that stuff, IRS deadline, state jurisdiction deadline. So from a compliance perspective, it just gets kind of heady. Um, but I just had to really button down and decide, you know, I spoke with my wife, I don't have any kids yet. And, you know, she was on board, like, okay, this is going to be an unusually crazy busy season because I'm trying to do the CFP study for the next 12 weeks. And she, she totally understood. She was my wow. biggest supporter, my CPA. So it, but we did have to kind of, you know, chart out our time 
and really look at, you know, okay, we're going to do our little date night or whatever this day. Um, if we spend time with the family or with friends, it, it would probably be one of these two days during these time frames. And you just kind of made a preliminary plan of how I'm going to allocate my time because anything outside of the overtime was just going to go to studying. So <clears throat> just kind of that was the first thing before even <clears throat> getting involved with the actual, you know, review course materials was just like, how am I going to best use my time and actually do this? So I think for the first uh, for the first three or four weeks, I had an initial plan. Um, I was going to kind of cruise and do you know, maybe f uh, five to 10 hours a week. And after the third week, I was just starting to feel a lot of anxiety of like, okay, there's a lot of material here. Oh yeah, <laughs> I knew that, but I'm not getting through it as fast as I want. So I had to quickly pivot. And that was one thing maybe I would say to somebody who's just starting off, make your plan. And I'm a, I'm very much like a planner, hard worker kind of guy, and I stick to the plan and I do it. Um, so okay. first of all, make a plan, stick with the plan, but don't be scared to pivot and to adjust the plan if you know something's off. Like you have really good intuition as you start getting into something um, and spending a lot of time with it. So I think you listen to that that inner voice. And for me, that was really helpful because I was just like, I got to ramp it up and it's going to suck, but I got to ramp it up. So I, I ramped it up to maybe 10 to 15 hours a week. And then I gradually slid into the last four weeks Um I think around the eighth or ninth week, I finished all of the material that Kaplan had. I was doing the the case study books at that point, but then I was just getting so nervous and impatient with the case studies that I just kind of started slipping into just just really ramping up the multiple choice the last four weeks and just uh, okay. hammering concepts I didn't know. So I would say the last two to three weeks, I, I really ramped it up to like 20 to 25 hours a week. I had really no life at that point because i was coinciding no, with over time at work yeah i was up till like three in the morning and i'm not one of these morning people like I, yeah everyone that comes on is like oh i'm not a morning person but i got up at 5 a.m like i can't do that i tried to do it with the cba like i can't do that i just it's, it's not, not it's not I mean, no I, I mean you know it's hard enough for me to like get get over to, to work at 8 30 when you're working so many overtime right. hours so it's like, how could I get up any earlier? Um, just seemed impossible. So I would dedicate, you know, you know, I'm still, we're, we have a hybrid policy at our firm. So I would go into the, the, the office a lot of days. Um, and those days I would take advantage of the commuting time. And that was the, the thing where we talk about supplemental materials. That's where I was listening to, to Sev talk about, right. you know, social security or talk about, you know, there's other random talk topics. So like bond duration was one. I, I listened to your video <laughs> several times. I was on repeat <laughs> yeah, for a little bit. That's it, a fun one. Yeah. So just a lot of the fun topics, I would try to reinforce and just redeem the, you know, the car ride um, and the commuting time, the 40 minutes of time or 45 minutes of time. Um, so the, at least my head stayed in it. And then after work, you know, do an hour or two, eat dinner, and then maybe do another hour or two and just really go hard on Saturdays and Sundays where I work a bit in the morning and then just really punch out the rest of the day, you know, six, seven hour study sessions. And I understand like for some people, the, the long, the long times of studying aren't really as productive. And I could definitely say like, I'm not an exception to that. Mm -hmm. I just had to be very focused, like 
you know, you have a black coffee. I have like a, like very minimal snacks that are kind of healthy and light and aren't going to keep my brain all fogged and, you know, get out of the, get out of my condo that we're in um, and go to like a coffee shop where I don't know anyone. And the only thing in front of me is this, and I just got to nail it down and you take breaks when you need to. So for me, I made the most of those long, longer sessions. And even though it's probably not ideal, it was kind of like, I didn't really have a choice if I wanted to put in the hours I was, I was wanting to put in to make sure I felt ready. Um, so from an hour's perspective, I definitely hit just maybe right, right below or at um, right over the 200 hour mark, which I know they talk about mm-hmm. from a multiple choice question. I was very low. I, I think I had with the, I did the CFP practice exams one and two and with the folding those into the mix, I think my multiple choice questions were like right at or under 1300, which is, is from what I've saw from people on the threads and stuff was very low. And yeah. uh, usually you're going through a couple thousand tw- twice. So you might be doing, yeah, it just depends three to 4,000 questions. Yeah. Yeah. My, my thought there was similar to the CF, the CPA where I quickly learned after the first exam and you just get confident more parts you pass. Like it's better to just go through for me, it was better to go through multiple choice questions and attack each multiple choice question. Like why is a, the right answer? Why are B, C and D the wrong answers? And you're going over like three or four concepts in, you know, each question. So each question would take me, like I could spend 10 to 20 minutes on each question. You know what I mean? If I wanted to, and it's just, it was really driving home, get the concepts down, stop trying to memorize your way out of it. And just yeah. not running away from that right. or going to war with that. It was really just accepting that and then moving, moving forward just with that mindset. So I had less in quantity, but I would say that, you know, it was a quality thing that really helped me because I knew, I knew I could memorize, you know what I mean? And that, that just wasn't going to help me. Understand. However they do it, they use, they can use that against you. I mean, that's because for example, if I'm teaching like the three-step calculator, uh, solution i'll just say look sometimes they'll drop you in in the second step and you've got to be aware of that you know if you're just memorizing keystrokes and you get five to ten questions we want to get 80 percent of those correct but if you're just memorizing you know you might only get half one correct so 100%. i think you had a good you had a good approach to it and uh as you're now ramping up to take the exam we get to you know the the the, the couple weeks or, or or maybe we've gotten past the couple weeks to the exam and now it's the day before the exam what what are you what are your plans there is it sitting on the beach or getting in some <laughs> final hours of study oh it was totally um it, honestly the thing that really lit a fire under my butt was taking the cfp practice exam which i was gonna just not take them i just read so many things on the forums and the and the threads and by the way like i was reading the forums and the threads and that was my way of like seeing other people's experiences and learning from them if i if in a perfect world i would be interacting with people and doing this with them because of my schedule and time you know i couldn't i wasn't willing to commit to a study group i didn't want to hold anyone back by not being available or being flaky. So that I keep referencing these threads and forums because that was my way of just kind of having some sort of community um, throughout the process. But, you know, I had read so many, it was just like hit or miss. Like people are like, oh, I love doing the practice exams. Oh, waste of time, don't bother. 
Um, it's just a waste of six hours of precious studies. So I mean, you heard everything. So I was just like, you know what? I need to do something. And the first one really kicked my butt. I was so, um, I was so defeated after doing that. Like just the mental fatigue, focusing now, realizing that the timing on my multiple choice questions was, was sucky. It was long and I was being clunky and, you know, just being that quickness of just having to jump from concept to concept and calculation to calculation, um, that really got me in gear and was like, okay, this is real. You are not going to pass unless you really start to, to really kind of shape up and tighten up these other areas. So and this that, is the first one from the board or from cap? Cause what Kaplan gives you two? I know the board. Gives right. So I had the basic Kaplan, um, oh, and uh, you basically right. just get textbooks, the, the okay. digital textbook access and the multiple choice question bank and that's really it i didn't have access to videos or their their practice exam i wish i did um i probably would have got the the more upgraded one with videos and things um had i known i just i don't know i just wasn't paying attention i guess i just bought the basic one i was like okay i'm just gonna go yeah, with it worked. <laughs> yeah it ended up working for me but yeah it was it, it was tough because you wanted to you just had this realization like, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work. Um, so I went with the CFP board exam. They give you the first one free. The second one, you know, I had to pay for it, but it was well worth it after taking the first one just to get some confidence. And the way I scheduled it, I'd heard someone else say this. I did, um, my exam was on a Friday at 8 a.m. So the two Fridays before that first Friday is when I took the first CFP practice exam and then I took the next one at that same day and same time. So at least my mind was getting used to, okay, sitting, for yeah. six hours doing this thing and knocking it out. So although the first one went very poorly, um, you know, the diagnostic report was just like horrible. <laughs> it's like a lot of things were in the red, definitely investments, retirement um, and insurance were all like in the red. And just, it was just, you just had a wake up call. Like, okay, you really got to make the most of these two weeks. So that's when I ramped up to probably 25, 30 hours a week. I requested to even take the week before the exam off um, and because of the nature of my position at the firm, you know, I'm still taking client calls and jumping on meetings and things like that. Um, but I was for the most part able to get away and dedicate the time to study, which, you know, I'm grateful for the partners for allowing me to do that because they were aware I was doing this. So yeah, it was just really focused intensity on multiple choice questions, um, understanding concepts because I interact with clients, um, there's certain preparations I do before meetings or leading a roundtable event or some sort of, you know, CPE for, for clients. And, you know, basically, basically I just approached it the same way. I, am I able to talk about these concepts intelligently with someone else if I had to? And that was kind of the bar I held myself to. I didn't say, I wouldn't say I was able to accomplish that. There are certain things I had to settle to just memorize um, because there's so much material. So there's, it, uh, there's no, no, no doubt. I mean, uh, I know there's this thing about, let's say, getting away from memorization, but just to be clear, there's a ton of it that's re that's required, obviously. 100%. Yeah, it's just how the questions are asked are not going to be, you know, they, they cut out maybe four hours of simple, um, simple answers to, you know, what's the maximum or maximum contribution of an IRA? Like they, they exactly. may have asked that before. I just, I don't remember, but a lot yeah. of those questions are, are gone. No, it's t definitely a ton of material, you know, but you, yeah, I mean, you're those, those last couple of weeks, especially when you take that exam and it doesn't 
turn out to to be looking so good. Obviously, the anxiety level kicks up. That's a good encouragement that forces you to kick your studying your studying hours up as well. And you know, it just sounds like you were in a uh, exam uh, question bank routine a couple weeks before the exam. Is that pretty? Yeah, fair? that was basically it. I would try to. Um, I guess the other thing I would say on that line is just really I, there were people I read online that were doing like a hundred questions at a time and trying to simulate like one section of the exam by doing that or, you know, whatever, or like one oh, full section or doing or doing in 45 increments. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just found that that was because of the way I the approach I was using to tackle these questions and kind of going through them slowly. Um, that was really hard to try and say, I'm going to do 45 questions. That just wasn't realistic. So mm -hmm. I ended up breaking it down into, you know, 25 question, you know, bite-sized chunks. And, you know, there was a point where I was obviously focused on the timer and having that in mind those last two weeks. So I, I would say I would do, you know, three or four of those segments a day. Um, sometimes it was just two because I hit some heady concepts that, in those 50 questions that was just very tough for me and I had to spend more time reading. So I wasn't married to the number. It was more just like I was holding a bar for myself though to make sure I, I did get some quantity. And I know if I did hundred multiple choice questions, I wasn't gonna pass. It was more just, you know, encountering enough questions to know I touched enough topics to be able to kind of know it cold and and be able to to get where I needed to. Cause like what you said, it was very a true experience for me. I, my exam was very calculation heavy. There were many times where, you know, it touched on all the things I didn't want to touch on. So like the bond duration, a bunch of TVM stuff, um, the ratios, like all these things I was kind of almost in the beginning of studying, kind of running away from. And then the last few weeks, just like, can't run away from this. You got to learn the concept. And yeah. And there's certain parts of it, like you said, that you just have to memorize. So there were just things I just had to do. So the investment section was definitely the scariest, but the multiple choice helped a lot. And even the one thing I watched from you that was very good, um, that st stood out to me a lot was your video on case studies. So wow. the way you, you had like your approach to going about them, like skimming the narrative, skimming the questions, you know, making use of your tax tables, like try to identify the concept they're trying to test in each of those questions and then going back and getting into the, the nitty gritty of each part. Reading the footnotes was the big thing you always pushed. Um, I used all that. Like I memorized those steps and approached um, each my, my case study questions with that. Um, so that was very helpful in those last two weeks, made a big focus on that. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of multiple choice, but again, driving concepts, uh, not settling for memorization on concepts I knew I needed. But I would say just because I've said that so many times, there were a ton of give me questions on the exam that were related. I wrote down the topics, professional conduct and regulation, general principles of financial planning, and then the psychology of financial planning. The psychology of financial planning, where they talk about the biases, mm -hmm. those are give me questions. Like if you memorize those topics and even conceptually try to understand them, those were like, I had, I felt like those were hitting me in between all the hard calculation questions. So okay, for me, a bit of a reprieve almost from the, the exactly. Topic. It was like, you got a breather. And I'm like, thank God, I just really gave time to these because this is really building my confidence going into these tougher questions and allowing me to have some more time to spend 
on these calculation questions. Yeah, and, and, and just so we're perfectly clear, you know, I mean, we're, we're never going to give away what was on the exam, but we know that there yeah. are topics and things like that. So psychology obviously is one of the eight, eight principal topics. So we can, we can expect questions from there. Sounds like investments was really a treat for you, John. That was your favorite <laughs> by far. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, just here in, in closing too, I want to, um, and with maybe something that's not too funny for exam takers, but I've had an exam taker that that drove six hours, whether it was before or after a, a big snowstorm out west. I don't I don't know, but she shows up, and I don't know half the half the testing centers are are down. So that's one surprise. I've had another student who just passed, but when he took the exam before in July, he got four and a half hours, maybe even five, very close to the end of the exam. Um, this was at an office, in an office setting, remote location, internet goes out, nothing that we can do. I had another student that was at a testing center, internet, or for whatever reason went out and, you know, just causes undue anxiety. So, and uh, in your case, you had something happen. So, <laughs> so what happened? On your exam day. Oh, I should say, sorry. We also had another student that got a flat tire. An uh, extra podcast guest, and he had a flat tire on the test morning on the way to the exam. So in your case, something popped up. Yeah, definitely. And that last uh that last story you referenced, I watched that that podcast and that really maybe oh, a day before my test and or maybe the day before. And I was like, whoa, you got to be ready. And something he said was like very helpful. I forgot the gentleman's name, but he was just kind of like, you just got to keep going. You know, don't let that shake you up. And right. that, that's just not something that you're thinking about because it's an unexpected item uh, that could pop up. So it just helped to kind of get that on my radar. Like, okay, if something goes wrong, because you're not thinking about that, you're trying to hold all these things in your head. And Exactly. So for me, you know, unfortunately, something did pop up. I went to uh, basically my alma mater to take the exam. They have a Prometric Center there in the admissions building, and it's on the second floor. So I'm I'm buzzing along through my exam. I'm using up all of my time on each of the parts. I feel like I very, you know, in my in my specific instance, like very calculation heavy on some of the parts for me. And in my experience, that was just very tough. So I'm just trying to stay super focused. And in the fifth of the sixth hour, using up all my time in each of the slots, I was in the fifth hour and then the fire alarm goes off. Oh, and great. Yeah, it was just, That's... you hear the alarm like beeping and the light flashing on the wall. No, and everyone in the room, you just see their heads go up and everyone's like, is this real? Uh, yeah. It was a full test room that day. I know there was at least one other CFP candidate because uh, you just in line with people and like, oh, what are you taking? So, yeah, I, oh man, I was just so like, just kind of like a punch in your gut wind taken out of your sails because you're just, oh, I'm so close to being done. And again, just because I was so in into reading these forums, um, someone said they had the same experience and they had to restart and retake the exam. Um, so I was full on panicked when I saw that. And then you have the, the proctor come in or whatever, the Prometric employee stand up, everyone single file line, drop everything, don't touch your computers and step outside. And you're escorted out of the building with like hundreds of other people, like students, faculty, staff, and then obviously your other, uh, you know, test takers at Prometric. And we're just waiting outside for, 
I think 45, 50 minutes, you wait for the fire truck to come, say there's no fire, thank God. Right, they got to do their sweep and everything. It's not like you turn that thing off and you're back to business. So. Yeah, exactly. It was like a whole thing. And it's probably some kid that just got, you know, upset. He <laughs> didn't do well on an exam or didn't get accepted into the school. I don't know. And, but someone pulled the fire alarm. Yeah. That go off. Yeah. So we wait all that time. They start pulling us back in and everyone who's there is like, what is going to happen? Like, are we going to have to restart? So as we're about to walk into the building, one of the employees is like, all right, we cut off um, as many computers as we could. As long as we cut them ears off, you're going to be able to pick up where you left off. So then it was like, okay, that's a relief, but oh, did they cut mine off? Oh, boy. So you're just kind of like, it's just that in the moment, it feels like the biggest deal in the world. Like I was on, of course, yeah, full on panic, you know. And so they walk us up to the room. They luckily, my computer was turned off. I saw immediately. Um, and of course, they line you up, they do things very orderly. So you're just kind of patiently waiting your turn. And uh, yeah, they turned it on, and it was like I just had to hit one login button and hit a button, and then I was just kind of back in it. So thankfully, I. I, I left unscathed in the sense of I didn't have to start over because starting over was like, I don't think anyone wants to repeat that exam <laughs> or any type of exam like that. No, again. But I've, like, I've had a couple of students that have had, that have had to do it. Thankfully it's not that many, but yeah, that's good that, that you're gotten. It seems like a lot of you guys have a, uh, have us have a story. So uh, I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out though. They got you yeah. square, squared away. Hopefully the other CFP candidates there too. So, but well, this was uh, this was good, John. I I definitely appreciate it. I know you're you know you're helping a lot of um, candidates out there, especially the candidates that have a, a background similar to yours, where you, where you have a tax planning, um, a CPA CPA background. As I mentioned, I know a lot of CPAs take the exam. I don't know the exact numbers, but you know a lot of. A lot of individuals with a tax background will definitely be here interested in hearing from you. And also, too, one thing that I, he I hear consistently from guests like you is that, like, the studying is is it, the hard work. I mean, you you'd mentioned it um, a handful of times, and that's that's basically what it comes down to. So, you know, what we'll say uh, in closing is that, obviously, studying is a, you know, it's a significant commitment. So make sure that you're hitting the books like John did. Uh, you know, doing lots of practice questions. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Pro Exam Tutors for videos on other tips and topics. If you found this information to be helpful, please let me know with a like or a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And if you know someone that can benefit from this knowledge, be kind by sharing this with them as well. And once again, John, thanks again for, for your time. And sharing your experience and your your successful attempt at, at taking the the CFP exam just one one and only time, like we love to say, once is enough, right, John? So uh, we don't want to be doing that again. So thank thanks again, and uh, we'll talk we'll talk again pretty soon. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate you having me on. Sound sounds good, John. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Earn Your Marks podcast. For more information or to get in touch, visit us at ProExamTutors.com.